0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Maring. Danny? Oh, hi. hi Hello. Can you believe Hello. that we are just days away from basketball, NBA basketball happening?
1: Believe? No, I, I, I'm like, it, 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 I'm a bit like an addict right now. Got a little, <laughs> little bit of a skin rash. Like, of oh, God, please, just go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Problem is, we don't get opening night. We, we got to wait one more night. We got to watch that Laker trash go out
0: there. Mm. Well, yeah, we'll we'll survive. But ah. anyway, with all this excitement going on, we did call in a couple of other folks to help us out. We have two of Blazers Edge's finest with us tonight: Nate Man and Isaiah De Los Santos. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: So, you guys, with just 24 hours before tip off. Are you guys, like, have you prepared your ritual preparations for your first viewing of, of the games? I'm not talking necessarily about uh, the Blazers. Like you said, Dan, they're playing on the second night. But, like, do you have your meal planned out, your popcorn all ready to go? Like, how are you going to handle the first day of the season? Dan, what's your ritual?
1: Um, I'm pretty much just going to bunker up. Uh, I got my new laptop. I got my league pass all set up. So anything that I, I, I want to watch, I can get, get going. And uh, yeah, cleaned out the, the back room and we're all set up and ready to go. That way I can kind of isolate myself and, uh, you know, go into like a full on basketball dimension that my fiance goes, what are you doing? And I just kind of <laughs> disappear, you know, see you yeah,
0: hey, six months. You pretty but, much. Yeah. How about how about you, Nate?
3: Uh, I'm super excited, actually, for the Lakers Clippers game because I live with a Lakers fan and a Clippers fan. So I'm just gonna get my popcorn and watch them instead of the game, and just watch them fight over who's gonna win, and then have the excuses ready for whoever does lose. So that's, that's I don't have a ritual, but I'm really excited to just watch them from the side.
1: That sounds like a, like the, at least a third rung of hell—a Laker and a Clipper fan, for a roommate?
3: Yeah, um, <laughs> I think there's a Rockets <laughs> fan too. It's it's not oh, a good, good group. Good God yeah
0: you gotta get better friends man who assigned <laughs> these roommates to you it must have been i know <laughs> somebody in the admin office must have done it right
3: <laughs> we needed a, a, a spread of you know, i mean we're from portland so there's one other actual oregonian who's kind of a blazers fan but i guess we couldn't just have a bunch of blazers fans in one house
0: gotta spread them out gotta spread them uh, amongst mm. everybody right. so that they can spread the love right how about you isaiah what are you doing to get ready?
2: Uh, I'm just excited. I I was really looking forward to seeing Zion play on opening night, but you know, with the injury going on, we won't be able to see him and I'm not really looking forward to all the Lakers Clippers, uh, nonsense trash talk that's going to be going on in Twitter world. So, you know, I'm just going to stay low until the blazers start because I'm really excited for them to get going.
0: Yeah. Nonsense, I think is a good word for it. I think there's going to be a lot of that this year.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's touch on a few little bits of news before we go on. Uh, One thing is that the Blazers front court seems to be having ankle issues. Hassan Whiteside has a sprained ankle. He seems to think that he will be back for opening night. Pau Gasol, his is an ankle. His is a foot. Is that correct? Yes. And then we have Zach Collins had a sprained ankle earlier on in the summer, but he appears to be just fine. So how worried is anybody about the ankles of the centers on this team? Um, Isaiah, what do you think?
2: I mean, that 15th roster spot's looking pretty open right now. <laughs> you know, it, it might be good to get someone in there. I mean, they did just sign Moses Brown to the two-way contract, and I think uh you know that he's worth taking a risk on but also you know if they need to employ him because these ankles just keep falling off the limbs of uh blazer centers uh i I think you know he's a he's a good backup plan just in case just wrap him in bubble wrap that's all i gotta
3: say
0: what does it mean to you isaiah i mean (laughs) sorry nate
3: um I'm I'm just worried that the white side that is ready for opening night is the white side we saw in preseason because that wasn't a hundred percent and if he's ready for opening night does that mean he's a hundred percent or are we getting that same player who maybe he was disinterested or maybe it was the ankle that was limiting him so I, I think I'm notoriously low on white side um so I think the injury is just feeding me
0: Right. I know I've been all summer I've been saying, Whites is gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. And then I watched a couple of games and I'm not changing my mind about that. But it will take maybe longer than I thought it was going to take. There may be some bumps and uh, bumps and bruises along the way, because I recall I'm recalling back to when Nurkic first came to the team. He came to the team. He had that spectacular last 20 games of that one season. And then it was kind of a rough start and it took a little while to settle down and figure out what his role was before he really started rolling. Dan, are you concerned about the ankles and feet of the centers?
1: I mean, Powell's, 39. Um, that's, that's, that's slightly problematic. And now Hassan has rolled the same ankle twice. Uh, and you're thin at the big position right now, like legitimate bigs. Um, there's a reason why the Blazers went out and got somebody to be that stopgap for Yusuf Nurkic. It's because the Zach's not quite ready for the five and thrusting him into that position. Oh, risky proposition. Uh, the Blazers are keeping that 15th roster spot open. If ankles start becoming an issue, they may be, you know, Starting to take a hard look at the old man River Bigman that are still out there to to fill a stopgap who can play for 20 minutes a night because if Hassan's not healthy in this offense where he's got to pick and roll and dive to the rim and play at the rim and and, and be explosive that's that becomes a problem real quick so it's certainly they're gonna they're they're gonna monitor it um but like we're gonna say this until February. As long as the Blazers can hold out until the trade deadline, as long as they can stay above water, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But if somebody genuinely gets hurt, then it becomes a problem very quickly.
0: So from what y'all have seen so far in the preseason, we actually saw quite a bit of Scal. Do you think, I mean, I don't think, I don't, I'm not saying that he is Hassan Whiteside level playing right now, but did you see something in him to think that, you know, he would be given those minutes or could be given some of those could take on some of that shift. Do you think I'd he's a center it. as much as a, a as a, a power forward?
1: I think he leverages his body better than Zach does at the five. Uh, that doesn't mean I think that he's a better defender or has the same IQ or the reaction speed, but I think even though they're they're pretty close to the same size, as far as weight wise, Scouts probably got him by a few pounds. But I think he knows how to use his body, particularly in the paint, and how to be physical with guys on both ends. So if it came to that, I'd be confident in short bursts, short stints. Uh, That's probably something the Blazers would look at before trying to, you know, make a trade or something along those lines. He's had some moments I think so far in the preseason. Again, it's preseason, but the things that I look for is 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 you know how well does he react, positioning for rebounds. Um, not fouling, and on the offensive end, he's actually been a nice little uh, hub as far as a a creator from the mid-post. I've seen him catch the ball in the post, look to go for the shot, it's not there, and kick out to the short side corner or find somebody at the dunker spot, and those are higher IQ-level plays. So I think you, you hinted at this a little bit, Tara, a couple weeks ago, you know, could we see more from him? And I think he may be that guy that gets that nod here or there if there is an injury, if there is a rolled ankle or you know the Jake Layman minutes. I don't think we kind of go to the the Noah Vonley, like spot starts, but I can see him getting minutes in instances where that perhaps they need some rebounding, some more length, or a little more strength down in the, in the post.
0: Yet we don't see it yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so how about how about you guys, Nate or Isaiah? Thoughts on Scal? And be careful, because he's one of my been my one of my favorites over the preseason. Just saying.
3: I've admittedly not paid much attention to Scal in the preseason. I think I was just (laughs) focusing on more things, but at the same time, that says something. Uh, But I think the biggest thing, like Dan just mentioned, is the passing from the top of the key or wherever, finding the guys in the dunker spots, or more importantly, finding the shooters. I think that's how he'll pick up extra minutes in the rotation, because there's definitely extra minutes to be had in the front court, especially if an injury does come. So I think if he can make even a percentage of the passes that Nurk made last year, that was such a big impact, that he'll earn his spot. And, I mean, he carries his weight defensively and offensively to not really be a liability. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I could see it happening in the future.
2: Yeah, I would say he has a... I, I, to be honest, he hasn't really stood out to me in preseason, but you know, grabbing eight, he's, he's, he's averaging eight, boor, eight boards a game in only 18 minutes per. So, you know, he's, he's another big body. Uh, I'll give him that, but I would feel a little more confident with a Joe Kim Noah, maybe out there instead uh, for filling those minutes. If, if the Blazers really need a center.
0: Right. Well, okay, well, speaking of centers, there's one more little piece of news, and that is that, or maybe it's a big piece of news. I'm not sure. That's why I'm asking you all. (laughs) Yusuf Nurkic recently signed with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. Is this a big deal? I mean... It's a big deal! (laughs) It's a big deal! What's the word?
1: Clutch Sports guys get the bag. Hands down. So he's
0: three full years away from Asking for anything, correct? Correct?
1: Yeah, this year and then two more, yes. So, but that's that comes up a lot quicker than you think it does. And Merck signed a very team-friendly deal. There's no doubt about that. If he stays healthy over the next two-plus years, and he's in the prime of his career to get that, there's a reason he did it. It probably gets him uh, more sponsorship opportunities, more representation, obviously a larger, more well-known group. Um, And also it puts pressure on front offices. I mean, they can start leveraging. If if something doesn't go right, and this is like worst-case scenario, Clutch is the group that can put the most pressure on an organization to force a trade. Hands down. So those are all things you have to take in consideration. Um, They are the most player-friendly group that there is. So uh, I'm all for him to get the bag. Love it. But I'm definitely a little bit worried.
0: I love the idea of him getting other bigger sponsorships. Not that I didn't love Yusuf Nurkic in a van, but just expanding <laughs> that beyond that universe, like maybe getting him a role in Space Jam. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? How about you, Nate?
3: Um, I don't know. I, all I can think about with Clutch Sports right now is I, someone tweeted a video of Kentavious Caldwell Pope like having everybody clear out and just airballing a three-pointer. <laughs> And that, like, clutch sports protects you from those sort of things. So I'm hoping that Nurkic doesn't get real confident. I feel like if you're not on the Lakers, that doesn't happen. But, I mean, good for him. And there is still three years until he gets a new deal. And that might be a problem, though, because I don't have the numbers, but Damon and Siege are going to be making a lot of money in three years. Yep. And they're going to take up a big percentage of the cap. So If you want another guy getting a bigger contract than he maybe would have gotten without clutch, that's just not going to leave a lot of room. Especially if the salary cap doesn't keep going up like it was expected to. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that salary cap is uh, is going to be kind of a conundrum. I've read that some teams are preparing for actual cuts to the salary cap. Possibly a bit of a hit. Yeah, possibly you know due to China's situation, and that's the first time that I think that it hasn't ever gone up, and so contracting could be that could be a real weird situation to to be in I mean have they ever been in that situation where things hadn't gone up
1: uh it's been a while I think there was one probably like so six seven years ago where I think it went down ever so slightly and I believe that was on the back of the strike shortened year so as you would expect mm-hmm. but other than that I think it's gone up every year since then yeah. so it's something you definitely have to worry about and obviously the NBA is taking a look at other markets they can leverage outside of China which obviously they'll start looking at markets like India and places like that and then expanding into like North Africa and then trying to grow those markets. Um, uh, Not to get into the political side of it, but that's something the NBA is going to have to look very, very hard at.
0: Hey, did any of you guys watch the preseason games in India, those uh, Indiana versus Mm -hmm. Sacramento games? I thought those were so much fun.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, see, seeing the 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 game grow on the international scale, like the NFL obviously tries this in London, but like it just doesn't have the same appeal. I mean, outside of soccer, basketball is the next global sport, and the NBA's trying to grow that as much as they can.
0: Nate, you recently returned from a really long trip, and like how do you think about the, you know, massive, you know, People, teams, media, everybody all traveling, you know, halfway around the world. Like, what was it? Can you talk a little bit about your recent experience?
3: Yeah, so that travel is taxing. Like, I got back Tuesday at 3.30, I think, p.m., back to Eugene.
0: So you went to Qatar to cover the uh, world championships of track? Is that correct?
3: Yeah, sorry, should have added context. Yeah, world championships for track, it's every other year. And yeah, Qatar, right off of Saudi Arabia. And yeah, so we landed at 3.30, and I had to fight myself to stay asleep until I made it to 9, because I wanted to get used to the time zone before I went back to school. And I can't, I could barely get out of bed. I can't imagine playing a basketball game at that level after traveling that far. But at the same time, um, interesting enough, when we went to Northwestern, they have a, a school out in Qatar and they love basketball. Like it was not like finding the odd duck of someone who knew who the Portland Blazers was like, I would introduce myself and I was like, oh yeah, I write for a... Uh, Blazers website and I didn't I would say Blazers website not really expecting them to understand um, that like specific team because I mean I say that here and people are like the Portland Trail Blazers are like the clothing and (laughs) (laughs) um, but like people are very into basketball I saw people wearing merch I mean the basics like LeBron jerseys and whatnot but like there's definitely a basketball interest there and I mean cricket and soccer are the big sports but I think basketball would be next for them
0: yeah. It just seems like such a long way to go play a game and then have to come back and keep playing. Just kind of blows my mind that they uh, the athletes are asked to do that. Isaiah, do you have any thoughts on this topic?
2: Talking about NERC and clutch?
0: Yeah, we kind of got a little bit off of that, didn't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Either that no, or I... international basketball travel.
2: <laughs> I'm not not doing any big trips, so I can't add to that. But, you know, uh clutch clutch clients can they get paid and I think the biggest thing is what Dan brought up about the pressure that a Rich Paul rep uh player can put on an organization so uh you know I'm aware that Nurk is probably going to get paid in three years and it'll probably be for a lot of money and it might not be with Portland uh but you know I'd be happy for him wherever he ends up but stay in Portland
0: yeah We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it huh
2: yeah definitely just
0: look forward to some like you know he'd be so good in like an irish spring commercial now my mind is just racing with the possibilities <laughs> of head and shoulders that... yes oh with he's not hair cutting right it until
1: so he gets back he's not cutting it till he gets back
0: oh so. my gosh yeah really
1: yep
3: oh my gosh!
2: <laughs> the beard too <laughs> i hope he keeps the beard
1: i i think he's gonna go i think he's gonna go all out so it uh it should be interesting the uh the number of roles that he can get cashed for as like a red beard. The pirate type uh, is, is pretty, pretty high. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's good that he's signed with a, with a uh, agency that has close Hollywood ties. Cause I want to see him in some, I want to, I want to see him in some good stuff.
1: <laughs> Speaking of good stuff. I do. I have to let everybody know that I am doing my fantasy draft at the same time. And apparently there's a lot of Blazers fans in this fantasy draft. Um, because somebody just took Mario Hazonia in the third round hmm. and, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm questioning questioning some of the judgment in here, but since it's a uh, since it's a, a money league, I'm gonna have to. Uh,
0: hey, He had that triple double and do for the Knicks.
3: <laughs> Don't that was at the end of the season, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it
3: <laughs> yes. was like so. It didn't even count in fantasy.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's good times, but uh, yeah, I just had to throw that out there because uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little surprised. I'm uh, I'm 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 okay with it though. Who it's, was your uh, first
0: pick? Who'd you get?
1: My. I I had a late pick, so I ended up, uh, my first two picks so far, I've got LeBron James and De'Aaron Fox, and I'm literally selecting Steven Adams right now, because now that Russell Westbrook is gone, that man is going to grab every rebound known to man.
0: (laughs) He's going to be the first person to average like 25 rebounds a game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, his rebound rate is going to go through the roof, and it's going to be very, very, very fun.
0: All right. Well, moving on from Steven Adams, uh, our main topic that we're going to discuss today is breakout year. So I asked each of you to think about who you thought was going to be is the most likely candidate to have a breakout year and then to also like include what you mean by breakout year, because it's a little bit nebulous. So who would like to go first? How about uh, let's see, I'll just randomly pick somebody. How about uh, Nate? You want to go first?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, so my breakout candidate was Zach Collins, even though I wrote about Ronnie Hood in that SB Nation article. I'm changing daily now. Who I think is going to break out until the season starts. Um, so yeah, I uh, Zach Collins. I think for breaking out isn't necessarily like he's going to win most improved and average 15 and 10. But um, as far as polish with this game, like I, I really hope and I believe, even after um some postseason issues, um that the foul trouble won't be as much of an issue. I mean, big men will always experience foul trouble, but he won't be picking up four in eight minutes like he occasionally does. And that's going to be really critical because they need him to stay on the court, especially if there are injuries in the front court. And then I think his offense, we already talked about it. Dan pointed out on Twitter that his shot just looks so much better and he's not hesitating. And that's going to do numbers for him. And, um, small sample of course it's preseason and I wrote about it that mm. he's he's actually shooting better and it wasn't hard to shoot better for how poor he shot last <laughs> year but it's good to see that he has a decent percentage outside of just right around the rim because he's a decent finisher and now hopefully he can finish through traffic that's a, that he said he added 20 pounds of muscle or something like that but that happens every year with everyone so you have to take well, it with let, 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 let,
1: let, let's let's that out real quick that article was talking about him adding weight since he got drafted. And now, this isn't to poo-poo Zach. This is to poo-poo every big that's ever been in the league. Is like, yeah, I put on 30 pounds since I got drafted. I don't know about you guys, but from the time that I was 18 year old till I was 22, I put on 40 pounds. And I did, didn't do what Zach's doing, but I spent probably the same amount of time in the gym that they're spending in the military. When you've got a dedicated regiment of, hey, eat 10,000 calories and spend five hours in the gym a day, you damn sure better put on that weight.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so then if it is since he's been drafted, which uh, I didn't actually read the article, I actively try to avoid those off-season articles, (laughs) (laughs) um, then, I mean, finishing through traffic is still going to be an issue because it has been the first two years. But then also the fact that he has a mid-range game and can at least put down three-pointers enough for someone to look at him when he's out there will help the offense a lot, especially if he's playing four, because you can't have him and Whiteside lurking around the hoop, especially if you want Damon C.J. driving. So he he needs to be able to spread the floor. And I think he's shown that he at least can do it better than he has in the past.
1: Your, your article the other day was, was spot on, too, and that was something I, I, I touched on over the preseason. Zach's always had a, a decent-looking jump shot, but it's been really noisy. So far throughout the preseason, his jump shot has been very quiet, very Simple, compact, very little movement and zero hesitation. When he's done that, it's been buckets. I mean, I'm not into talking the you know the game where he went six for six. Just in general, when he, you guys have all seen it. He does that little toe tap, that little dance. You know, over the last two years when he catches it, that seems to have gone the wayside. And even if he isn't able to finish through traffic at the rim consistently, or if he doesn't develop a post game, if he's able to do that regularly, that enough space for Zach and Hassan whoever he's out there with to be more than successful because you, you can't drive or drop down low if you've got a guy who's able to hit between 45 and 50% of the free throw line. I mean, that's that's a hell of a shot. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge literally has made a career out of being able to do that, so you can't drop down there. And if he's able to do that, that will be probably sufficient enough for him offensively.
0: It's been so popular you know, the last few years for us to poo-poo the mid-range game. But if the Blazers have not just, you know, multiple mid-range threats, I mean, two points are still better than no points, right? It yes. does, maybe that's not three, but it's still... I've, I was super impressed with Zach's shooting. Just like you said, Just it just looks so much better. And it's not, you know, there is no hesitation. But the other thing that I've noticed from him, and I'm wondering if you all noticed this as well, you know, you know how I always like to watch and see if people are crashing into each other under the basket? I found <laughs> that he and Hassan have so far not really had that issue. Uh, you touched on it real briefly, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you think those two are sort of playing together in the brief amount of time we've seen it so far.
3: Uh, question. Did you ever see Collins and Cantor do that?
0: Crash into each other under the basket? Mm. Yeah. I can't remember.
1: There's a lot of things you can say about Cantor that probably have a a negative connotation. But for a guy that big, I think he has really, really good spatial awareness. And there wasn't really a a ton of that. Um, The only thing that Zach and Hassan have really done is that they've gone for the same block. And it's turned into a block every damn time. That's been the impressive part. Um, It's like they're high-fiving
0: each other and blocking the ball at the same time. That's pretty awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hassan, I mean, cut his finger on the rim, you know, both of them going for the same ball. Zach had back-to-back blocks on one possession with Hassan literally just kind of hanging out maybe two inches behind his hand. Um, it's going to be interesting when the scouting report comes out like halfway through the season. Uh, if, if things, are, if, if, if Hassan's still around and Zach and, and they're kind of playing off each other, if teams are trying to look for those backside plays a little bit more with both of them jumping the contestant shot or if they kind of learn to work off each other. It's less about them running into each other, I think, and more about... Who's going to jump? Because they're both very, very, very aggressive shot blockers. And I think that'll that'll be more of the the balance that needs to be worked out as opposed to um, running into each other. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and it's usually they're running into each other for rebounds. And one of the things that I've also noticed with Hassan in the limited time that we saw, and also better with with Zach Collins this year, is uh, blocking and also keeping the ball at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like instead of just blocking it and like, you know, kicking it way out or whatever, like blocking it and keeping holding onto the ball and like, "Ooh, that's an interesting wrinkle we haven't really seen much."
1: Yeah, the, the 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 natural ability to send a shot in the 13th row is fun every now and then, but it's even better if you can just catch it. Yeah. I mean, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, those are guys that just went up and grabbed it and just took it out of the air. Uh, Hakeem, obviously was a guy who did that, and I mean, if, if you've got that ability where you can just literally just go up and take it do it i mean yeah get it going the other way that that, that, i think that's a more impressive block than just you know sending a swat and hoping your your teammates get it
0: isaiah do you have any questions about zach collins and or uh any any follow-up thoughts for nate
2: i just really think he looks good i'm really impressed with what i've seen so far like has already been brought up about his jump shot. It just looks so much more fluid, and you know he actually looks like a shooter now. Before it was kind of like he could shoot the ball if he's wide open, and even then he was kind of hesitating on it. But he looks a lot more willing to shoot, and that the mid range is looking really good. And I've really been impressed with how uh, composed he looks when he's catching balls on the inside. Uh, you know, he had just had one layup the other day that you know he caught it, he corralled it, he took the contact, and he still finished it. And, you know, that was something he's definitely struggled with before or in the past. And, you know, we're seeing the right steps to where he's starting to become, you know, he's starting to look very, very good. And you're you're excited about
3: him as a a starter. Mm
0: -hmm. Nate, what do you think is the thing that might stand in his way?
3: Uh, The obvious one is foul trouble. But I think um, I think Dan mentioned it with the scouting reports. Um, a lot of his outside shots were just like setting a screen or just kind of lurking in the mid-range. And then when everybody focused on Dame or CJ or someone on the wing, he would just find that opening and get the ball and have an open jump shot. I feel like if he does that successfully through the first quarter or third of the year, defenses are going to pick up on it. And then um, I'm not sure if he has the touch or the skills to really create his own basket consistently without just uh, scoring as a product of the other players play offense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Consistency may be an issue because I think you said it earlier is he doesn't need to be like great. He just has to be uh, good enough that it makes people hesitate and go, Ooh, do I need to go there? <laughs> and if he's not consistent right out the gate, then people may just ignore him and just let him shoot and, um, that, you know, that's not gonna create this kind of space that they would want. But I'm excited about Zach. I'm I'm very interested in how Zach Collins is gonna be playing. Isaiah, would you like to go next with the player your candidate for breakout player of the year?
2: Definitely. I'm rolling with my man Rodney Hood as my uh, breakout player. I am really buying into The notion of Hood uh, being acclimated with the team, you know, when he first came to Portland, it was very up and down. You know, he eventually had kind of a breakout game himself last season uh, when they played uh, Charlotte. And he basically like willed the team in the fourth quarter to the win. And but other than that, it was kind of up and down. His first first round playoff series was uh, not the greatest. Yeah. He averaged three points a game against OKC. And, you know, that's not what you want from your wing scoring threat when he's only averaging three a game. But then compare that to the Denver series where he jumped up to fourteen point seven points per game in twenty four point three minutes, and you know there you saw the three level kind of scoring that he brings. He can handle the ball. He knows how to back down the smaller guys and then throw up a nice little uh, turnaround jumper over them with his six foot eight self. So I'm really buying into him having a full summer with the team, and you know having a full training camp and preseason and being able to gel with the guys. And it looks like he'll be the starter at the three. And I'm I'm excited to see uh, him not have to bounce around because he's been bouncing around between Utah, then Cleveland, and now Portland. And, you know, it's been up and down, you know, he's traveling. And now he finally gets to settle in someplace. And I'm looking forward to a settled and acclimated Rodney Hood.
0: Yeah. Who anybody else want to add on to what they've seen from Rodney and what they're hoping for Rodney?
1: I mean, with Rodney, we've seen what, he, what he's capable of, not only as a Blazer, but as a starter with the Utah Jazz. And I think his game's developed, and he's in a comfortable place. Uh, clearly, it's a comfortable place for him uh, mentally. Uh, he, he took significantly less money to stay in Portland. Um, he's obviously looking for a bigger deal, so he's going to want to perform. Um, but there's something to be said for, and I, I I hate to overemphasize it because I think it gets pushed a little too hard, but the culture and the, the how it allows these guys to succeed. And if we're like if we're drawing out like a pecking order of, you know, who's going to get shots in this offense, it's Damon, CJ. And then you can make a case for probably Hassan and, and then likely Hood. Uh, Hood's going to get time with both the starting unit and the bench unit. He's going to kind of be that guy that plays in between uh, because he can swap between the two and the three pretty effectively. Uh, we'll see him with the starters and you'll see him uh, with the bench unit with the with Anthony and, and Kent and, and Mario when they go in that small ball lineup and then insert center here. Uh, and you'll see him at times slide down to the two and trying to take advantage of the guys in the mid-post. So, uh, here's the thing: like the bar for success for guards or for forwards in Portland has been so low uh, for the last few years that it's it's not hard to see Hood like put up numbers that you go, "Wow, that's really nice." And then you look around the NBA and you go, "I guess it's kind of average." But it's just going to be one of those things at that small forward position where there's so many dynamic players. The Blazers are actually going to have a guy who's going to be a plus production type player there. And I think people are going to really enjoy having that. It's such a weird thing to say because they've had Mo in that position or, you know, whoever it was kind of filling in when, when Mo was either underperforming or injured. Um, having a guy who legitimately can be a 15-point-a-night guy. It, it's going to be a really weird change um, from what Portland's had for the last five years.
0: Nate, have anything to add?
3: Uh, One thing I noticed, I think it was one of the first plays of the Denver game. Um, He went up when Dame was dribbling down and set a screen on Murray just for the switch. I thought that was interesting that they're looking to feed him. He's not just going to be like an escape valve of like, oh, they have Dame and CJ swarmed. Let's just hope someone else can score because in the past that never worked because nobody (laughs) else could score. Um, But they're going to be looking for plays, especially in the post, because he has that nice turnaround jumper. And then they might just give him the ball on some possessions and Damon CJ can take a possession off, which is going to be great. They've never really had teammates who can consistently do that.
0: Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to be his biggest challenge to achieving this breakout year?
2: Consistency, I think, would be the main thing. You know, he's not a totally respected, you know, small forward guy. He's he's known for you know being hot and cold, and and the Blazers really could use a consistent output from the forward position, like we've you know kind of accustomed to these. You you had high games with Chief, and you had low games with Chief. You had high games with Mo, and you had low games with Mo. So. If he could really just be a consistent 15 points a night guy, you know, that would be fantastic. But, you know, I'm worried about the games where he puts up, you know, three points or four points and kind of can't get a shot going.
0: Well, and I'm also curious how you feel about his defense as part of his success for the season.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Kent Bazemore, who was... Just running all over the court, you know. I kind of want to call him like the Energizer Bunny or something like that. You know, because
1: he's,
2: like he's just going all. Over. He just goes all over the place. He's diving on the breaks. It doesn't always work out when he gets a steal and he goes on the fast break, but you know, you just see him flying all over the place. And you know, you contrast that to Hood, who's more—he's a lot. He's very calculated in his moves. You know, he he takes his time. He gets his. He composes himself. And, that's his point, You know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Bazemore Bazemore is just kind of that energy guy and you contrast the two and you're like, oh, okay. Is Bazemore actually you know, doing more for the team with the steals that he can bring? Uh, But maybe he's not as uh, dynamic of a scorer that Hood is.
0: Dan, you were going to say something.
1: No, with with Hood, I mean, I don't think he's going to have those three-point nights. I don't think he's going to have those Moharkless nights. I I genuinely don't. I think there's going to be opportunities for him I think Dame's going to take to workload down a little bit. I think Hassan isn't going to get quite as many finishes, I think, as a lot of people are hoping. And I don't see Zach really getting more than, like, maybe six, seven shots a night. And I think it's going to be more as a secondary type deal. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, off an offensive rebound or a pick and roll that doesn't quite get off. And Zach's in that soft spot. Like, legitimately, if you're, if you're doing the pecking order... After Hood, after you get the four guys, I don't think Zach is anywhere in the in the in the top seven. I think you get uh, Anthony and Bazemore even ahead of him. And with that kind of guard forward wing centric offense, I think at a Ford's Hood nights where he's going to be a regular double digit a, a game guy. I I think it's, it and part of that was probably promised to him, uh, in in essence for taking less money and coming back here. Now I remember there's a lot of people that. that when the, the summer was still kind of going on and, and everybody was looking at the, the, the new roster, that Baysmore starting, Baysmore starting, Baysmore. No, that was, that was never the deal. Like, like Part of the hood coming back here was a guarantee at, at that starting spot. And with that, not just that starting spot, but the opportunity being more involved in the offense. And we've seen that already in the preseason. Well, like you said, Isaiah, they're actively looking for him, they're looking for those mismatches in the mid post and those opportunities. So, as far as the pecking order goes, even if he has a kind of a slow night, I think he's still going to get the opportunity to get shots up, which kind of limits him uh, as far as like having a very unproductive night, unless he just can't find the you know the bottom of the basket.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things last playoffs, uh, Jason Quick wrote an article about how one of the critiques about Hood was that he was too passive,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know he would defer to guys often, and you know he eventually hits that shot in the four overtime game, and you're like, yeah, you know this guy he can hit he can hit the shots, uh, so. I think you know maybe he's coming out of his shell a bit too as a player where he can feel confident to take those shots and be one of the main guys in that pecking order like you mentioned.
1: And that's a big thing to it too is that he knows where he is on this team. Coming to the team mid, mid season, he doesn't know. He doesn't want to doesn't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. He's coming out of a bad situation in Cleveland where he just wanted to get the hell out. Right, and so mm-hmm. he gets to Portland and he's like, I'll, I'll just kind of sit in the background and I'll just kind of take him pick my moments now he knows he doesn't necessarily need to do that he may need to defer as far as Dame CJ outside of those guys nobody else can really make a claim that it's their shot and so if, if he's willing and able to do it then I, I see him being able to be a, a very productive member uh, of the as far as like box score contributions uh, as, as much as it pertains to scoring anyways
0: Dan, it sounds like you are pretty enthusiastic about Hood having a, a good year. I don't know that. I don't think he he wasn't your candidate, but it sounds like you're feeling no. pretty positive about him uh, having, you know, uh, progressing even further in terms of his game here in Portland.
1: Yeah, I, I think the big part of it is to kind of what I, what I talked about previously, and that's the the bar for production in Portland at the small port position is next to non-existent. I mean, and I'm not trying to like poo on 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 Mo and everybody else they've had there. I mean, even when you had Batum, you had a guy who God he deferred all the time and you're like you wanted him to get in those opportunities and go back even further, you can get Travis Outlaw. They have not had a guy where you get him the ball and his first move is go. And, and Rodney is the closest thing they've had to that. And even he, he steals a little bit gunshot times, like Isaiah hinted at. at that. But I, I think that the opportunity is certainly there for him to be very productive at the position, especially if he plays with a bench unit and gets in a little bit more up tempo and they can get him some cheapies. Um, where in, in the past Whether it was Moe, whether it was Chief, whoever it was playing with that secondary unit, their limits offensively kind of prohibited them to to, to doing only certain things. And we talked about this for years, Tara, the whole siloed idea. Rodney Hood's not siloed. He can create off the bounce. He can work in the pick and roll. He can get in that mid post and take advantage of mismatches. He's a little suspect in transition. But other than that, I mean, he's got multiple ways of scoring. And, And that's the first time that Portland has had that from that position in quite a long time.
0: Yeah, I want to watch and see what kinds of specific plays he gets involved in. It kind of gets me thinking, you know how, Dan, we've been talking about how at some points there's seems like there's a player that Damien always feeds first or mm-hmm. feeds to early. Get somebody started. Yeah, I'm really curious who that might be on this team. We'll have to wait and find out. So, Dan, do you want to go, go ahead? Go ahead. I would say Rodney's
1: probably up there. I, I can see him getting that LaMarcus Aldridge role.
0: I can see it at Whiteside, though. I, I kind of feel like it might be Whiteside at first.
1: I mean, yeah, that's that, that's that's the other
0: uh,
1: <laughs> likely candidate. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and talk about your breakout candidate?
1: Oh, this is going to be the least surprising thing ever. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Simons. Um, my, my my love for Ant notwithstanding, um, I think the hype is justified. Uh, excuse me. One second. Are you drafting? <laughs> oh no i'm sorry i'm clearing my throat i've had a bug that just will not go away it makes it impossible i didn't want to sit here and just hack into the mic um but as far as ant goes <laughs> the first thing is young man got his first dunk out of the way finally he finally got to get a little bit of room and take off and it was a nice classy little statue of liberty and then he got back on defense and uh He's, he's certainly been looking forward to that, and I'm, I'm happy he was able to kind of to kind of get it done. At, uh, but for me, I, I look at these guys right now, and God, Ant just looks like a guy who can certainly get out there and just do something in bunches. And I question his ability right now to finish consistently in the paint. He takes off a step too early or too late. He's a little... It's a little, little bit wonky, but the flip side of it is his ability to catch and shoot from three, off the ball, on the ball. It, it's, it's elite level talent already, and that was something you know when, when I said he had it last year, and and you 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 called me crazy. That was the thing I was looking at, and um, I, I want to peg him. As not just a dark horse, but a legit candidate for most improved player. Like I know everybody wants to, to to kind of point that at Zach, um, but the more I look at him, the more I'm just like, God, this kid can really. He can get it, and he's going to have nights. I, I think this is the one you're 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 more concerned with Isaiah as far as having that three point night. The volatility in his production is going to definitely be there. But outside of Damon CJ, the most likely candidate to go off for 25 or more is Ant. I mean, that's 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 the reality. The kid, when he gets hot, can go absolutely nuts. And everybody's going to use that Sacramento game as the bar, and you know, and all the the off season hype and all the think pieces. I will say this: he can get going offensively. There's no doubt about it, about that. But one of the most surprising things I've seen from him, and what will allow him to stay on the floor, which for most young guys and on stock teams don't, defensively he has been aggressive as hell. It hasn't always been great. But he's not getting pushed off his spots. He's he's got he's put on a little bit of strength. Uh, he's using it on both ends. To be honest, he had that uh, shoulder the Mike Conley and the spin move for the layup in Utah, which was really impressive. But he's picking guys up thirty-five feet from the rim. I, I never thought I'd see him do that. I, I figured he'd sit there and just you know die on on screens defensively. He gets around screens better than, probably than than CJ does right now. It's it was really 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 surprising. And that's again it's preseason and all that. But the basic instincts of the kid, I I wasn't sure where they would be defensively. They're going to allow him to be able to stay on the floor for for real minutes and not just these spurts. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what kind of production he's going to have. But realistically, I can see him averaging double figures coming off the bench if he's aggressive in that mindset and is able to consistently knock down a shot, like I think he's going to be able to.
0: Nate or Isaiah, do you have anything? Um to, to add or, um, uh, ask questions about Anthony is the breakout candidate.
2: I I think my biggest thing.
3: Oh, go ahead, Isaiah.
2: I I think I guess the biggest thing is I still want to see it against legit, you know, NBA competition. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't want to see summer league. I don't want to see the Sacramento wacky Kings game from last year. Uh, you know, I want to see it in November when people are aware of him even more than they are aware of him already with all the the hype pieces that came out this summer. Uh, You know, I just want to see how he does on any given night once people are aware of what he can do, because the shooting looks legit. Uh, I just want to see how he handles, you know, legit NBA defenses.
3: Yeah, I think his shooting is one of the most positive things. I mean, he's already got the Dame step back. He can catch and shoot and um, the one thing, and I haven't really seen it too much in preseason, not that like he wasn't doing it, but wasn't as much of an opportunity, especially with Hizonia on the floor with him, was his playmaking. Um, but if they peg him as more of a CJ type player, which it seems as they do, then playmaking shouldn't be an issue. Like he'll have to make passes here and there, but it's not like he lacks that ability. I just don't think he can be relied on as the primary playmaker. So pairing him with his I think will be pretty important.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that too, Nate, in terms of uh, whether or not he was going to play point guard while he's on or if he's going to be playing shooting guard. Dan, I I thought I recalled that you were pretty sure that he was just going to be given the ball to be in charge and have the ball in his hands. Um, am I rem- misremembering that?
1: I, I believe that he's going to have opportunities to be the the, the lead initiator. And we we saw some of that here in the preseason, where they gave him the ball and said, "Go do it." Um, I, I understand what, what Nate's saying, and as far as um playmaking for others, that's still something that needs to be done. But as far as him being a lead initiator, I think he's going to do that much the same way that Dame does, which is hunting for a shot and drawing defenses, and then finding passes. He had he's had a couple passes this year or this um preseason where I'm sitting in the in the box with media members and. Uh, I can't remember who it was that cut baseline and actually saw it. And and not only did he see it, but he made the right pass at the right place at the right time. So, if you t- if you ever listen to, to the players when they really start talking about passing in the NBA, it's one thing to see it. It's another thing to make the pass. It's another thing to make it at the right time. And did that in a couple different possessions in a row, and a, a couple different people and, and some scouts for, for other teams are sitting there all kind of like nodding their head like, okay, apparently he's, he's got that capability. And it doesn't, doesn't indicate that he's going to be Chris Paul, I mean, by any means. But I, it's certainly something that looks to be developing in his toolkit. But they're going to have other guys around him they're going to have Dame. They're going to have CJ. They're going to have Baysmore. They're going to have Hazonia. They're I mean they're, they're going to be guys who can handle the ball around him. And, and, and in fact, there's going to be three to four ball handlers on the floor pretty much the entire season. So it's going to, I think it's going to be better for him because realistically his ability as a catch and shoot three point shooter is going to be huge, especially for that second unit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't have any issues with him with the ball in his hand. Like I, if if all of a sudden you know somebody starts picking up ninety six feet, you you might have to worry about a little bit if it's Chris Paul or or somebody like that or Patrick Beverly. I don't think anybody's going to ask him to do that. But at the same time, getting him the ball and asking him to initiate the offense, I have zero questions about him being able to do that right now.
0: It's kind of amazing how many options it feels like the Blazers have right now, and I don't know how much of that is just a factor of the fact that there's just a bunch of new players, and so we're just like. Uh, you know, giving them all of the skills that we've ever heard that they've had ever at all in their entire career and assume they're going to use them all. Uh, Or if it's true, like the Blazers really have crafted a team with more multi-dimensional players than they've ever had before. So I'm very excited and guys, we have games to preview. Shall we move on to our previews? Let's do it. Anybody, any, anything else to say about any of our uh, breakout candidates? Let's
3: I think we covered it all.
0: Let's move on to opening night So I think we should talk about the first three games we've got Denver on Wednesday, Sacramento on Friday and Dallas on Sunday At this point in the season, how do you guys look at games and like how who's gonna write the preview like how do you write the preview for uh, against a team that you haven't even really seen play Isaiah what's your uh, what's your strategy for that?
2: yeah i think i'll adjust my expectations you know every year coming into this year i'll be looking at white side definitely i think everyone's going to be looking at white side because you know it could be yusuf nurkic out there and you know he's not out there and you know that sucks but Whiteside's definitely someone you got to focus on and and you know you're going to want to you're going to know that dame and cj they're going to get buckets you know the season of cj is well underway as tara has already mm-hmm. mentioned uh Damian Lillard, he's going to play like an all-star. And Rodney Hood, as we already talked about, is probably going to be on the top of the pecking order. So I'm really just going to look at Whiteside. I, I want to see what kind of player he is because I'm of I'm of the mindset that it's going to take time, but at the same time, I believe in him and what he's going to be able to bring to the team. I think others are lower on him, and you know we're already kind of overacting to preseason games. So I definitely want to see him in, in a real game. In the first couple games, they'll give him a good test. I mean, you got Jokic, uh, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley with Sacramento. Uh, he'll get to go against Boban when they play Dallas and Chris Stapps. So, you know, the, he's, he's going to get his, a heavy dose of centers, and I'd like to see how he matches up with them.
0: What does a successful start for Hassan in those first three games look like for you?
2: As long as he doesn't look lost or disinterested, because I think those are the kind of the big things that Either he brought with him from Miami the stigma about him or people have said that they think they see right now in preseason games, which, I mean, we can't take those big assumptions from preseason games anyways. But uh, I would just want to see him put up some numbers, set some good screens, uh, provide the defense that we know he can because he led the league in blocks a couple of years ago. You know that he's still the same player that he was that a couple of years ago. So, you know, you just want to see him be impactful because they need they need an that impact at the center position.
0: Nate, what are your thoughts about these first three games? What immediately stands out?
3: I'm looking forward to Denver just because we played them twice in the po- or preseason and not that really preseason shows too much, but you still understand slightly like rotations, who's guarding who, who's playing where, like doing certain things. And so um, the, the one piece that I'm looking forward to most though, in that Denver series is actually uh, Millsap and Collins. Because uh, Millsap worked the Blazers in the playoffs. And I I think Mo and um, Aminu were guarding him. And they just couldn't do anything. And then Zach actually did a decent job. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Zach can actually carry that success uh, on defense over into the regular season. Where it actually counts more. I mean, postseason counts a lot, obviously. But like like full-time guarding him. It wasn't just come in for three minutes and try your hardest on defense.
0: Yeah, I mean the the Blazer starters in that final, or the 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 Blazer team against the Denver starters in that final preseason game. I mean, again, preseason, but uh, they they held up pretty well. What do you guys think about? Um, you know, what do you think about Sacramento and Dallas because like they haven't seen them at all, so um, playing against a team that they're just like coming in brand new and they look pretty different. Well, Dallas, at least, looks pretty different from last year. What are going to be the keys to the Blazers uh, getting wins, especially against like Sacramento and Dallas, who they haven't seen yet? Uh, Dan, what do you think?
1: It's going to be really interesting to see how this season kind of unfolds, especially in this first quarter. Um, different position groups are going to be tested like on different nights. With Denver, obviously, it's their front court. So it's going to be incumbent upon white side to be healthy and ready to go like we we touched on. With the Kings, you've got to be careful with the ball and how you how you handle certain situations because they may be the fastest team that's ever played in the NBA. Like it, like up and down their lineup. It's just nothing but track stars. Uh Deer and Fox is certainly a guy you can look at to be a absolute nightmare for Damian Millard. I mean if you look at the guys that who who have bothered Damon his career defensively or like uh, the guys that make him work and have elite top-end speed quickness. That's the Mike Conley's. That's the Chris Paul's. Guys like that who Victor Oladipo. Those are guys that have bothered Dame. So now you've got the backcourt working, and then you get against the Mavericks, and you get this weird hybrid, you know, Luca Chris Stops thing that, that, that they've had going, and they look very good. Um, and, and all of this is going to be on the road, obviously, except for for Denver. So. These different positional groups are going to be really strange. Uh, how the game plan has to be focused or tailored night in, night out uh, throughout the first ten games of the season. Uh, I think that's going to be like one of the one of the more interesting storylines as as these first couple of games go. And each night, Stotts is going to have to have something a little bit different in his bag. But I think for the first time in really five years, he's got uh, a myriad of options that he can go to. Uh, obviously, a team like Dallas isn't quite as deep, so maybe the, you, you try to let the, the reins loose on the bench unit and, and hope you can not only uh, hold a lead, but build a lead with them. Uh, against the Nuggets, um, they run 12 deep, so do you leave you know Damon and those guys out there and try to bomb away and, and play a, a fun game of find Jamal Murray uh, and see if he's had that, that growth defensively or not? Uh, and I, I think that's gonna be like the one of the more telling and, and interesting things as far as the first quarter of the season goes.
0: Let's see, who haven't we heard from yet? Did we get everybody to talk about the first three games? You, Tara. Oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just worried about that uh, opening night winning streak because it's been a what long time. Is it seventeen? I I think this would be eighteen. And it's it's been a long time since they've had such a tough opponent. Well, they uh, did all the
1: Lakers last season and everybody well, was healthy.
0: That's right. We did think that they were going to be a quite a juggernaut last season yeah. and the the Blazers did over overcome them on that Somebody
1: one. The biting opening night.
0: Right. Well, and I think that the the light the building's just gonna be like on fire. I'm not literally, but like people are gonna be so excited for the 50, the start of the fiftieth season. There's been so much build up for it, so I think the crowd will play an important part. And you know that I like it when they go on a road trip early, because they get some of that bonding time.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: I don't. I don't. I just don't know what to make of Dallas and what the comment that Luca Porzingis combination is going to be like, and with Portland having such a different front court uh, on the one hand, I kind of feel like it might work out perfectly because nobody else knows what to make of Portland's front court yet either. (laughs) (laughs) And in some ways I think that might actually might work out in their favor because there's no scouting report on Hassan Whiteside as the center for the trailblazers, but we've just been, we just, they just played Denver seven times uh, with Jokic at the center. So, you know, maybe a little bit of that goes in favor of the Blazers. So, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I What I'm saying is I have no idea what's going <laughs> to happen. You know I don't like to make uh, predictions. But do you guys want to make predictions? If you want to make predictions, go right ahead.
1: Uh I'll go two and one. I think they're going to drop opening night. Okay, I, I, I think that the streak comes to an end. Uh, Hassan, people can say preseason doesn't matter all they want. Hassan still doesn't look right. You can't you can't go out there and not look right against against Jokic. He'll, he'll eat you alive. Uh, and Jokic isn't the traditional guy who's going to sit there and try to um, put Hassan in positions that he's familiar and comfortable defending. He's going to pull you away from the hoop and work from that mid post, work from the three point line and put, put him, put us on, you know, further away from his comfort zone, I also known as five feet within the rim. Um, but I don't think the Kings and the Mavericks are quite ready yet. But I think on the flip side of that is I think Portland fans are going to see that the Kings are a team that you need to be taken seriously. Uh, same with the Mavericks. Those are, those are not teams that you're like, oh, we can just go ahead and mark a W off on the, on the list and, and kind of get going. Um, but that I, I think Portland should come out of that two and one.
0: What do you what do you think, uh Isaiah?
2: Well, they're going to eighty two in all this season, so oh, I just is. marked the first three wins <laughs> down already. Uh and all seriousness, I, I think they take the opening the opening night and then lose one of the king I think the Kings game they'll
0: drop. That's just my my wild guess. The Kings game? Okay. Well, you know, sometimes you put all your concentration on the game that seems like it's gonna be the hardest and then mm-hmm don't pay as much attention. Although I'm now intrigued by the idea that Denver has no idea what this new team looks like. And what if they send Scal in there? I mean, I just, I, they could just like continually run different lineups for them. And I don't know if Denver, cause Denver has continuity, but they're still young. So I'd be curious to see how they react to that that much change all in one game that could be interesting Nate what do you think about the first three games you got a prediction
3: Uh, I think the Sacramento game the over-under is going to be like 280 points on that because yeah fast and not a lot of defense Um, I think two and ones a safe prediction I don't know who that one loss is going to be I guess Denver is the easy choice because they're the established team and I mean the Blazers beat them in a seven-game series, but that could have gone either way. And then Denver's coming back with the same, if not better, team, while the Blazers have so many question marks that by the end of the season could make them a better team. But at the beginning, I think there's a lot that needs to be ironed out. And, I mean, it even could end up with them going one and two in the beginning and that not necessarily being a negative thing, but them just learning how to play with each other mm-hmm. and where everyone's strengths are and then able to be able to pop off a winning streak somewhere later.
0: Right. Well, there's nothing to do anymore except for just wait. It's just right around the corner. We did it. Would uh, Nate, do you want to start off by telling people where they can find your work and maybe give them a little preview of some of the things you'll be working on this season?
3: Yeah, so um, I'm now writing the Thursday morning features. I think it's in the morning Thursday features for Blazers Edge. And um, as you all know, it'll be about the offense and who's shooting where. I think that's my new thing now. Um, So I am now looking into the season of CJ and what's going to be different than in past years of where his most important shots will be and um, where he's making up ground. But I think the one thing that I've noticed without giving it all away Is the Blazers are actually going to play in transition this season, and he seems to be really into pulling up for threes in transition. And if he makes them, that's great. If he doesn't, he's just going to keep taking them. So I think that might be one of the make or break shots of his big season.
0: I think that uh, you're absolutely right about that. Have you noticed? Do you feel like the shots that you've seen him take are from farther out? I feel like he's taken some really long ones like, oh, okay, we're adding more range.
3: Yeah. I mean, he saw Dame shooting those. and He's like, I can do that. (laughs) But I think I was looking at his shooting numbers and they break it up from like 20 to 24 feet and then 25 to 29. Mm -hmm. And the three pointers, only some of the 20 to 24 feet were because he loves those long mid range shots. Mm -hmm. But he was taking a lot of the 25 to 29. So at the top of the arc above the break. But then also, like, taking a few steps back and pulling up. And I guess if you make some, maybe people will step out and that lets them drive by. But those are definitely tougher shots.
0: Yeah, he was 8 of 10 for those during the preseason. I was looking at those before the <laughs> before we hopped on. Um, And I also think that the other thing that CJ is going to add this year is the ability to draw fouls. He just needs to make his free throws. I don't understand why he's having such a hard time making free throws, but I really think that he's going to get better at drawing fouls, and that's going to be an important tool in the toolkit that will incur that will uh, lead to the hashtag season of CJ.
1: If that happens, that'll be likely one of the most significant developments in CJ's career.
0: If that happens, that is going to happen, Dan.
1: I'm from from your lips to God's ears. I just very good. It's it's a tough one for me to swallow.
0: I. I I don't have any problems thinking of CJ being able to figure out how to draw fouls. Damian did it. And CJ's playing next to Damian every night. No, oh, I <laughs> you don't sound convinced.
1: I, I wrote about this literally three years in a row. Like if he can just do this and the thing is like his, his free throw rate is so historically low for a 20 point per game score. He's, he's over his career. He, he may be the, the least successful of drawing free throws of any 20 point per game score in NBA history.
0: I would just say everybody that doesn't add all of their skills all at once. And maybe this is the year that he has sat there and broken down the tape and figured out exactly what he needs to do. I I think there's plenty of room for him to get better. So it's, it's not like he's trying and failing. It's like he hasn't even really looked like he's set his mind to it yet. But I feel like once he set his mind to it, he could get it. Let's see. Isaiah, how about you? Why don't you tell folks where they can find you and uh, give us a preview of what you'll be working on? Yeah,
2: readers can find me at Isaiah Delos on Twitter. Uh, I like to keep it over there and, you know, add some optimism and try not to act like the sky is falling after every preseason game. So, you know, you can find me there. Keep it a little lighter. Uh, and working on uh, just providing great news coverage at Blazers Edge, uh, given the reason. There's everything that national people are saying about the team, even if it's not so, so merry all the time.
0: All right. How about you, Dan? Tell folks where they can find you.
1: Uh, as always, folks, you can find me on NBC Sports with Joe Simons and myself following every Blazers game on NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, we will be hosting the post-game show, hour long edition after each and every game uh obviously here on the blazer's edge podcast and i believe my features moving from saturday to tuesday if i look at the schedule right so uh, now that my uh, laptop is no longer uh living uh, uh in the afterlife i can get back to writing a little bit more it's something difficult about a whole like writing a whole article on a cell phone this makes things really difficult i don't know it's a little weird but and yeah
0: I'll, uh, na- no, no no go ahead i what's the name of your fantasy team and how's your draft going
1: Uh, My draft actually went pretty well. Uh, I went with, uh, I I always have to do some really terrible puns, so I called my team the fast and the curious.
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) as Steph Curry, you know. Um, But yeah, my uh, my team actually came out pretty good. Uh, It's a 20-man league, so it's deep um getting value where you can uh fox josh richardson lebron james aaron gordon steven adams is my first drive so i'm pretty happy with it i'm I'm feeling it pretty good Uh, as far as social media you can find me at dmarang at d-m-a-r-a-n-g if you guys have any questions comments concerns about anything here on the pod or in the writing or on the tv show go ahead and shoot me a dm or just at me on twitter
0: all right, and you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can also follow Blazers Edge at Blazers Edge. If you subscribe to the Blazers Edge podcast, in whatever podcast catcher you use, you will get the weekly Blazers Edge podcast as well as the Hoops and Talks podcast, which also comes out once a week. Women's Hoops and Talks, we are having our first meetup next Sunday uh, during that Dallas game. So we will be there to uh, watch the Blazers, cheer for the Blazers, wave to Seth Curry, and hopefully watch the Blazers win. We watch those games at the McMinimins on Broadway. So if anyone's interested in coming, you can find all the information about the Hoops and Talks meetups pinned to my Twitter page, which is once again at TCBBigs. So uh, for Isaiah and for Nate and Dan, thank you so much to everybody who's joining us. And we are so excited to be talking about basketball next week. Thanks for joining us. Go Rip City!